Psalm 23 is undoubtedly the best known of all the psalms. If you know one psalm by heart, or partially by heart, it's almost certainly going to be this one. It's a psalm of confidence, and it instills a sense of peace and security. And it's appropriate today because on Anzac Day, we are forced to acknowledge that the world we live in is not peaceful or secure. On Anzac Day, we remember the men of the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps who fought in one of the hardest and deadliest fronts of the First World War, the Gallipoli Peninsula in Turkey. The Anzacs had scant supplies and limited access to fresh water. They experienced extremes of weather from blistering heat in the summer to plummeting temperatures in the winter. They had to put up with fly swarms, lice infestations, poor sanitation, dysentery, and malaria, not to mention fierce fighting in inhospitable terrain, which resulted in more than 36,000 Anzac casualties, including 11,500 dead. Uh, Retrieving the dead from no man's land was out of the question, and so there was a, a constant stench of rotting corpses. It was an absolute hellhole. And today we remember uh, those who endured such horrors and died in those conditions. With hindsight, we look back on the First World War as a futile waste of life, but it didn't seem that way at the time. Uh, Many believe that victory would ultimately make the world a better place, more peaceful and secure. Some of the young men who marched away to war thought they were off on a great adventure that would be over by Christmas. This was to be the war to end all wars. None of them knew that their war would have a number after its name, that there would be a sequel. There were 20 million deaths in World War I, more than half of which were civilians. World War II was deadlier by far. There were 75 million deaths, including 40 million civilians. And many more millions of people have died since the end of the Second World War in uh, other wars and armed conflicts. The world is not a peaceful and secure place. Now, for most of us in a country uh, like Australia, the, the horror of war is, is almost an abstract concept. It feels very far removed from our daily lives. And that is precisely why we must remember on a day like this. The Spanish-American philosopher George Santayana said this, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. If the world forgets the horrors of these events, they will at some point in the future recur. Now, most of us are not familiar with war, but we're all familiar with fear. Fear of failure, common among the most self-assured or seemingly self-assured of people. Anxiety is one of the most commonly diagnosed mental health conditions in Australia, and it's particularly prevalent among teenagers and increasingly uh, among younger children. Fear of death, Uh, Many people, especially as their lives draw to a close, begin to fear what comes next. They fear dying, fear of an abuser, fear of financial ruin, 
fear for a loved one who is critically ill. We all uh, understand fear. We've all experienced fear. Uh, Now think of the last time that you were fearful and anxious. Did you also feel peaceful? Of course not. Fear and peace are mutually exclusive. Fear drives peace away from us. But uh, 1 John uh, chapter 4, in there it says, perfect love casts out fear. Psalm 23 begins with a scene of peace and tranquility. The psalmist is led to green pastures beside still, calm waters. It's a place where his soul can be refreshed. It sounds idyllic. It sounds wonderful. But the scene changes. Everything becomes dark and sinister and uncertain. Our translation says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Uh, I actually prefer the translation that says, the valley of the shadow of death. It sounds uh, so much more ominous. It's evident that the psalmist is now in a very different situation. But notice the sense of peace from scene one doesn't evaporate. The situation has changed, but the, the sense of peace remains. Despite being in such a dark place, the psalmist proclaims, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Whom is the psalmist referring to? Uh, the Lord, of course, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. And although the Psalms were written a long time before Jesus came into the world, reading the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, we can see that this Psalm is all about Jesus. Uh, and there are many names for Jesus in the Bible. A lot of those names make Jesus sound powerful, which he is. But some of them can make Jesus seem quite distant, which he isn't. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author of life, the blessed and only ruler, creator, king of kings, lord of lords, light of the world, the power and wisdom of God. All those names are wonderful and they allude to Jesus' power and majesty, but they don't make him seem particularly close to us. But then we can add to that list, shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is all of those things that I mentioned and more, but he's also our shepherd. Imagine uh, a shepherd in the ancient world, humble, probably quite scruffy, down to earth, diligent, maybe the strong, silent type. He keeps the sheep close to him. He walks alongside them, keeping a careful eye on them, and he's ready to protect them from uh, wild animals and other dangers. And if a shepherd loves his sheep, then Jesus loves us infinitely more. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So if we combine all those names that we heard for Jesus, we see that he's all-powerful, He's sovereign, he's majestic, and he's this down-to-earth, faithful shepherd who loves us enough to die for us. No wonder the psalmist fears no evil. The sovereign creator of the universe is his shepherd, walking alongside him, looking out for him, guiding him, comforting him. 
I want everyone to know this shepherd, don't you? And you know the Psalms give us a, a realistic, sober, uh, gritty picture of life. The Psalms don't view life through rose-colored spectacles. Uh, the psalmist is not saying, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I'm not going to face any difficulties in life. He's not taken around the dark valley. He's guided through it. I think for many of us, we're okay when the Lord is making us lie down in green pastures. We like that bit. But when he's leading us through dark valleys, we begin to doubt and question and complain. And instead of focusing on Jesus, our our shepherd and our guide, we focus on the darkness and the difficulty. And that's when fear begins to take hold. For many Christians... The time that you're least likely to see them in church is when life has become difficult for them for whatever reason. But if there was ever a bad time for leaving the shepherd's side and going wandering off, it would be in the midst of a dark valley full of pitfalls and snares and predators. We can't avoid the dark times, but we can choose to allow Jesus to guide us through them. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we hear the Anzacs and other groups of servicemen, we often hear of the camaraderie, the mateship, the brotherly love that exists between them. And that's what comes of having to depend on each other in times of intense hardship. But actually, it's much the same with our dependency on Christ. When we are forced to rely on Jesus because of the intensity of the situation, when we know that there's no way we can guide ourselves out of this dark place, that's when the love and the trust and the closeness really increases. We know we can trust Jesus, not because someone has told us so, but because we've experienced it for ourselves. In those dark valleys of life, that is where we really draw close to Christ. There's that expression, isn't there? You've probably heard it. Let go and let God. And it's great advice, but we all struggle to let go. But notice there's nothing in this psalm about what the psalmist does. All of the action is on God's part, on Jesus' part. He will make me lie down in green pastures. He will lead me beside quiet waters. He guides me along straight paths. And then the psalmist switches to the more personal you. You are with me. You comfort me. You prepare a table for me. You anoint my head with oil. And then we get to the end of the psalm, and the psalmist says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the psalmist has to do is dwell in the Lord's presence. And it's the same for us. We just need to keep dwelling in the Lord's presence. Don't be that sheep. That when the dark times come, you get scared and startled and run away from the shepherd. It never goes well for that sheep. Of course, this psalm is not saying that we should be passive and naive, that we just let life happen to us. We ought to be proactive. But we trust in God's resources and not in our own. It doesn't matter who we are. 
We try to do everything in our own strength. There will come a point where we reach the end of our resources. There are many dark valleys in life. But since it's Anzac Day, I want to use war as an example. And by the way, Anzac Day is not about glorifying war. War is a hideous evil and the darkest of valleys. But it is right to honour the memory of those who have died fighting to preserve the freedoms that we enjoy. And you may be completely opposed to many of the wars and armed conflicts that have taken place. You may be opposed to all of them. But we can still remember those who have fallen. So how does Psalm 23, or the truth it conveys, help someone surrounded by such evils and darkness? I think of the soldiers at Gallipoli, wading ashore under heavy fire, watching their friends falling around them, or sitting in a cold, wet, muddy trench being bombarded with artillery, or fighting at close quarters, uh, having to do unspeakable damage to another human being with a bayonet or an entrenching tool. And by the way, bayonets are still used in modern warfare. I think of the footage I've seen of returning troops, their minds and their bodies wrecked, broken, some with nervous tics, others who have de- developed a bizarre gait, a, a very strange way of walking because of the, the effect that the mind has on the body. Uh, many of them staring into distance. The most severely damaged mentally and emotionally, kind of twisted and set in a rigid position, as if paralyzed. The human mind is not created to endure the horrors of war. The question is, can Jesus, the good shepherd, guide people through such terrible darkness? And the answer is yes. Only Jesus can guide a person through such darkness. Only Jesus can bring lasting peace to someone who is so horribly broken. As we saw last week, everyone who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus will ultimately be healed in this life or the next. A friend of mine, Foxy, Jason Fox, um, if you've ever watched um, the program uh, SAS Australia, I've not seen it myself, but I know that he's one of the directing staff on that program, and I served with him at 40 Commando, and here's a direct quote from something he said uh, in an interview. He said, I was in the middle of a gunfight, and I was taking cover in a ditch whilst I was doing what I needed to do. I was suddenly overwhelmed with an emotion. It was obviously fear, but it manifested itself in a way that was completely alien. And I just wanted to be a 10-year-old boy again at home with my mum. Being at home with his mum would have no doubt have been a great comfort. And there is treatment available for those who are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, That's a good thing. Uh, People who are not Christians can go through the most terrible things. And they can, to a certain extent, recover and lead a normal life. But only Jesus can do everything that the psalmist talks about. Only Jesus can bring peace, dispel fear, provide comfort, pour out blessings, and enable us to dwell with him forever. Only Jesus can provide us with a sure and certain hope for the future, a future that stretches into eternity. Just look at the trajectory of this psalm, and this is where it would be great to have your Bibles. I, 
I can't say it enough. Get yourself an NIV copy of the Bible, bring it to church, mark it up, read it in your own time, go back over it, learn the scriptures. But anyway, the, the, the psalm begins with a scene of peace and tranquility, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And then in verse 4, it moves to this dark, scary, uncertain place. But still the psalmist knows that God is with him. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5 and the first part of verse 6 are about God's blessings in this life. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And then the very last part of the psalm, the last part of verse 6, gives us an eternal perspective. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we're in that dark valley, we don't know how long it will last. But we do know that Jesus is with us and that we need not fear. And we know, too, what lies beyond the valley of the shadow of death. Not only has Jesus been through the darkest valley, he has been through death and has come out the other side. So we can be sure that Jesus can and will guide us through the dark valleys of life, whatever they might be. More than that, Jesus will guide us through death and out the other side so that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A few years ago, the family of Corporal Alistair Ross, who served in the Australian Infantry at Gallipoli, donated his Bible to the Anzac Memorial in Sydney. Uh, That Bible, a gift from his mother, literally saved his life. He kept it in his left breast pocket, and the dense pages uh, stopped a bullet and a piece of shrapnel from piercing his heart. I wonder how many soldiers at Gallipoli carried a Bible on their person and found strength and comfort in its pages. I wonder how many of them allowed Jesus to guide them through that dark valley. We'll never know. The question for us is this. Will we find strength and comfort in the knowledge that Christ is with us? Will we allow his perfect life, love to cast fear out of our life? And will we stay close to him, especially when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death? So let us join the psalmist in saying, in praying, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that this world can be a dark place, but your light has dawned on the world. You've come in the person of Jesus Christ. You have lived and died and been raised to new and everlasting life. And Father, we know that you are with us. We know that your spirit is with us, that we're never alone. And we pray, Lord, that we'll become more and more aware of your presence in our lives, that we'll pay more heed to the the promptings and the nudges of your spirit, that we might live the life that you call us to live 
and be free from fear in the knowledge that you are with us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.